This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 93, and today we are talking about books released on February 7th, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello! Hi, kitten! It's been a long time since we've talked. I know! It was such a treat when we did two shows in one week, but then I went on vacation and then I missed you. I missed you, but you had fun? I did have fun. I went skiing, and so I was like super active all day. And then at night, we would just curl, like curl up in the cabin with a fire and Ella Fitzgerald and read books and eat food. It was lovely. It's basically my platonic ideal of a vacation. <laughs> like, you tucker yourself all out and then wrap up in a blanket. <laughs> it sounds like my perfect vacation, too, except for the physical exertion. <laughs> like the sports part. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, you basically just have to balance and then go yeah. down a hill. <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time walking upright. So putting myself <laughs> on skis, like, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, I'm not going to lie there. I had a couple like, ah, 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 moments, but like, it was mostly, <laughs> it was mostly fine. I didn't bruise anything other than my pride a little bit, um, oh. but did some good, did some really good reading. And I finished um, Unbound by Steph Jagger, which I talked about last week. It showed up on my doorstep like a day before it came out. So I didn't get to really read it in time for the show. Um, but I really loved it. The um, I think I mentioned that it had, it was positioned as like a wild, but for skiing. Um, and that I was actually very true. Most of the time when people compare books to like big things like wild, it's not accurate. Uh, but she was in her late 20s and like was very successful in her career and just not feeling satisfied in her life and was a person who is a person who likes to go after big goals. So she decided that she was going to take a year to basically chase winter around the world um, and ski a whole bunch. And she did some calculations about like how many days she'd be skiing and the average amount of vertical feet that she would ski on a typical day. And she set herself this goal to ski 4 million vertical feet over the course of a year. Uh, and it's like part travel memoir, part sort of memoir of like spiritual, personal discovery and growth. Cause she, you know, as these things go, she sets off thinking that the goal is to ski 4 million vertical feet. And she discovers at some point that actually what's going to happen on this trip is like, yes, she might accomplish this impressive goal, but she's actually really going to be remaking herself or discovering herself really for the first time as it were, and getting away from like the things that she has done because they were her family's expectations or the things that she's done because she wanted to meet cultural expectations or to be ambitious and impressive and find out who she really is. Um, it was really interesting to me. Like, I'm just going to talk about the book now for a minute, I guess, um, <laughs> <laughs> that she uses a lot of the language that um, I come across in writings about yoga, about like uh, that these are, you're not pursuing this thing for the bettering or the growth of your own ego, but you're pursuing this thing because it's essentially like the destruction of your ego and the 
uh, sort of the growth of your spirit. And it was, uh, it was really just interesting. It was the right book at the right time for me. I related to it a lot. And you were skiing. Uh, and I run, right. <laughs> and I don't typically match my books to like where I'm traveling or what I'm doing, uh, but sort of also the right time in my life to read a, a story about a woman taking on an experience like that. And sort of the breaking down that happens before you build yourself back up in a new and better version. Uh, so, you know, nobody is Cheryl Strayed, but um, Steph Jagger is, it's really open and vulnerable um, and it's funny and I really enjoyed it. So if that sounds like good to you, then this is a bonus book recommendation for Unbound by Steph Jagger. I have not had that much personal growth while you were gone. <laughs> I do what have, have some you things doing? I want to tell you. Tell me your words. I just noticed the other day that we have gone way past a million downloads. Woo-hoo. Like, wait, that's like one download for every five Red Bull I drink. <laughs> but like, wow, amazing. Thank you out there, everyone yes. listening. Thank that's you, incredible. People. We should have a confetti shower or something. Oh, that would be great. Also, <laughs> series of unfortunate events on Netflix. Mm. Been watching it. Watched it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. If you like Pushing good. Daisies, you know, or like weird, like old Tim Burton, you will love this. It was really, really fun. I have not watched the movie. I did not hear good things about the movie. Maybe it's great. I don't know. But I loved the series. Although I feel really old because, like, I watch it and I'm like, none of the adults believe the children. This is a terrible message. Mm. You know? But at the same time, it's it's really fun. Neil Patrick Harris is amazing. Amazing. And also, I finally came up with a title for myself. A title um, for yourself? Yeah, because, like, I have to, like, sometimes fill out forms and they'll be like, what's your position? And I'm like, oh. mm, I'm a professional reader, which sounds... Wrangler of cats? You know, weird, yeah. You know, like, pajama wearer? I don't know. So <laughs> right. I thought really long and hard about it, and I decided that since it is my job to get people excited about books and keep them excited about those books until they come out, I am a mm-hmm. book fluffer. A book fluffer? <laughs> <laughs> I approve. I'm going to have that put on my business cards. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, do you want to hear our first sponsor <laughs> since we've been going on and on and on? Would you like yeah, me to tell about yes. that? Yes. Speaking about trying to keep things vertical, um, <laughs> Third Love is back. You, If you want to give the gift of a perfect fitting bra this Valentine's Day, this is is the bra for you. Third Love Bras were developed using thousands of real women's measurements and range from sizes AA to G, including signature half cup sizes. So no matter what your body shape, you are sure to find a fit that is right for you or your loved one. And with Third Love's Fit Finder, it only takes 30 seconds to determine the best size and style for your body. Like we've mentioned, what did you? what is it, like six times in, in your mm-hmm. woman's life her bra yeah. size will change? So you definitely want to take the 30 seconds and do that. Um, so you can have the perfect fit. No more sliding straps, no more side overflow. Uh, Third Love stands behind their products so much that they are willing to let listeners try a bra from their 24-7 collection for free. Just pay $2.99 for the shipping. You can even take the tags off, you wear it, you wash it, you go skiing in it, you do everything that you <laughs> normally do in a bra. And in 30 days, if you love it, you keep it and they'll charge your card. If you don't love it, you send it back for free and your card will not be charged. So you go to thirdlove.com slash books to get started. And yay. Third yeah, love. it's awesome. I just got like I've bought myself a bunch of third love bras and I just got a marketing email from them before we started recording this show. They also do these things called bra wardrobes where it's like a set of three bras around some kind of style or theme. So they're also offering 
the like the modern romance bra wardrobe where they you pay sort of a bundle price and you get a black strapless, a pink t-shirt bra, and then a red lace balconette for when you want to turn up the Ooh. charm. <laughs> Yeah, they nice. just have tons of good options. Yeah, their cool. bras are gorgeous. So now, um, let's talk about books. Let's talk let's, about books, baby. Yeah. Let's talk about books while we still can. You know, <laughs> this time next year, we'll probably be racing around in a Jeep like Christian Slater and pump up the volume. And we'll have like a huge antenna. And I'll be transmitting a review of the new collection of essays by Alexander Chi while you're driving like <laughs> a mad woman without losing our signal. <laughs> You know, we're trying to outrun Skynet or something. That's probably yes. what our future is going to be. They're coming so, for us. Yeah. So let's talk about books. Well, we okay, can. Let's do it. Yes. Um, my first pick is What You Don't Know by Joanne Chaney. Um, this is one of the most well-written thrillers I've ever read. I Ooh. thoroughly enjoyed this. And it's really creepy. And it's about serial killers. So it's really gruesome. Yay. Two things. Two great tastes that go great together. Is that how that goes? I don't know. Um, anyway, it takes place in Denver, Colorado. There is a man named Jackie Seaver. He is a businessman, very successful businessman. He is a pillar of the community. He volunteers. He dresses up like a clown and volunteers at the children's hospital. He also has 33 bodies buried in the basement of his house. Oh. Yeah. Yuck. Gross. Uh, detectives Hoskins and Lauren, they get a tip from an anonymous tip saying that, hey, this guy, he's been killing people. They go to his house, they find out who he is, like, they find the bodies, and then he's identified by the one woman who got away from him. And so it's, like, this big thing. There's 33 bodies in his house. There's a beautiful reporter named Sammy who's reporting on this. She has a relationship with Hoskins. Um, There's Jackie's wife, Gloria, who swears she had no idea that any of this was going on. Like, living for two decades in a house with bodies, had no idea that her husband was up to this. And so it's this big deal. It's a huge case. This case made them, you know, they got promotions. Sammy got to write all the articles about it. Um, But it also broke them. I mean, this is some seriously messed up stuff. They had to, you know, sit in an an interrogation room with him and talk to this man. You know, he ends up going to jail for a very long time. But seven years later, you know, Hoskins is now working cold cases in the basement. And Sammy is selling makeup at the mall And Gloria is a pariah. You know, she still visits her husband. She swears that Jackie is innocent. She still visits her husband in jail, you know, and she she has no friends and no place to go. Um, And suddenly, there are new murders. And the victims of these murders are all connected to Jackie Seaver in some way. Um, It's super, super creepy. And so now, Sammy and Hoskins and Lauren, they have a new chance to, you know make their lives better again or is this going to end them all forever you know and who is behind these new murders it's so creepy you know me i can read anything and this is one of the few books that i was reading it and i was like 10 30 at night and i was like i've set this book down now because i'm not gonna sleep tonight i'm not oh. going, you know like i'm gonna be like someone's coming in the house someone's coming in the house so i had to set it aside which is the mark of a really good book like a good thriller you know when you're like oh dear what's that noise um, oh, it's just the cat painting his nails. But, you know, it's it's awesome. Again, it's called What You Don't Know by Joanne Chaney. Mmm, that sounds great. It's awesome. 
So my first pick this week is A Separation by Katie Kitamura. I really loved this book, but I don't think I recommend reading it when it's just you and your romantic partner alone in a cabin, mostly in the dark for a week. Um, It's about a young woman who has been separated from her husband for about six months, but the separation is a secret. They've been living apart, but they haven't told anyone else. Uh, She says initially that it's because they haven't, like, they never figured out how to do that. Like, what's the story that we're going to tell people about why we're not together anymore that allows us to basically, like, save face and get this moving along? And so she's, like, living her own life. She has a new boyfriend that she's living with, and she gets a phone call from her estranged husband's mother one day wanting to know where he is. And she's like, I don't know. Uh, But she can't tell his mother why she doesn't know because they haven't told their parents about the separation. Um, And the mother is like, well, I know that he's in Greece. He's in this like remote part of Greece. Uh, because he's been talking to me, but I haven't heard from him for several days. And now I'm worried. And you're his wife. You go get him. And she does. Uh, She doesn't really understand why she's doing it, but she feels compelled, like sort of duty bound, at least by the secret that they share to go find her husband. So she goes to this remote part of Greece. She stays in the same hotel where he's been staying, where she finds out that he's had an affair with one of the women who works at the front desk. And we find out that he is a prolific philanderer, um, that this was part of why their marriage is no longer. Uh, And then we find out that things have not gone well for him in Greece. She's not really trying to find out what he's been up to. She's also not super trying to find him. She's just like in this small town in Greece, getting to know the people, sort of going along with this charade that she's created and also trying in her own head to untangle like, why am I here? Why am I keeping this secret? Uh, Like, am I protecting myself from having to acknowledge that we've separated? Like, do I not want it to be final? Am I protecting my husband? Do I feel like I owe him something even though I don't? Uh, And as she untangles it, we find out more and more about the secrets that they kept from each other and the layers of betrayal in their marriage that led up to this point. Uh, And also about like she discovers that his mother really sees the truth about him in a way that she didn't know he did uh, in a way that she didn't know his mother saw that previously. So it allows her to sort of face some difficult things about who he is and what she has accepted. And so who she might be in relation to that. Um, this it's, it's really good. It's gorgeously written and like very carefully crafted. Um, if you listen to this show, you know that like, I love a book about, sort of the dark side of marriage. Um, And this is a great one. But I do want to say the first person who put this in my hands was like, oh, it's like Gone Girl. And that, my friends, is a lie. Like, this is not a thriller. (laughs) This is not a thriller. There's not a twist. There are not two perspectives. Um, And I think that I would have, like, my personal reading experience would have benefited from not having heard it pitched that way because I spent the first hundred pages of the book like waiting for the book to become a thriller. Um, It's not one, but it's a very good sort of literary, not quite suspense, uh, but this like uh, unpackaging of this marriage and this woman and the choices that she's made and how like how a separation or a divorce seem like a final cut, but how there's really all of these strands that have to be 
untangled and a million decisions that have to be made and how do you think about who you are in the context of that. Uh, it's it's really like thoroughly imagined and very well written. Um, and I do recommend it just, you know, not if you're looking for the next Gone Girl. Uh, so that's A Separation by Katie Kitamura. I liked reading about the professional mourners. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, the, if this book fluffer thing doesn't work out, I'm going to go be a professional mourner in Greece. Yeah, you can just wail. Yeah. Actually, you could nominate one of your cats for that job. Ugh. Steinbeck <laughs> is the worst. That's all he Maybe does that's lately what he's doing at, at night. Midnight. Ugh, that's why I didn't go to sleep last night. I, like, when the wind blows, it's just like, forget it. It makes them insane, him especially. And he just goes, ah. Your cats are scared of nature. Yeah. That's because they live inside. They don't know what's outside. So Just big, scary noises. Well, what's yeah. up next for you, Mr. <gasps> Fluffer? Okay. This book, you've probably already heard everyone talking about it. No one has anything bad to say about it because it's perfect and amazing. Like, I've read a lot of amazing books, but sometimes you read one and... Do you, have you ever read a book where you feel like you already know this book? Like, you already know all the words and there's, like, mm. the perfect amount of words and everything is just right. Like, this book, you could just sink into it. It's so amazing. Um, and that book is Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. I saw her talk. I've mentioned this before. Um, I saw her talk at Neba last year. And she she told the audience a story about a Korean boy and his family. And by the time she was done, everybody was in tears. We were all like, oh, I was like, oh, I have to read her book. It's just amazing. Um, and it was fantastic. It starts in the early 1900s in Korea. Um, in the middle of the Japanese occupation, there is a poor family that trying to make ends meet. They Everyone is doing poorly. You know, it's really hard to find food. Um, the family owns a boarding house, and they have a daughter named Sunja. And she is their pride and joy. Um, but when she is 16 years old, she is conned by a slick-talking man and ends up pregnant and unwed. Um, so a minister who is at the boarding house, uh, he proposes that uh, they get married and move to Japan where he wants to work at a ministry. Um, and so her, her mother is like, oh, thank goodness, you know, this is going to happen and we can save her the shame and, you know, all the stuff. So they move to Japan. Um, but it's really hard. They move in with his brother. They live in this little tiny tin shack with his brother and his brother's wife. Uh, the Koreans must live in only one section of the city in Japan. Um, and it's, it's a slum, you know, people are starving, uh, even the Koreans like steal from each other because they're so hungry. It's, it's terrible. It, things are really hard for them there. Um, and Sunya and her husband start a family, you know, and they try to, to make ends meet and it's just, it's beautiful. I don't want to spoil any more of the story, but it's just this epic multi-generational, um, saga and it's about Korean immigrants in Japan in the discrimination that they faced, which is not something that I learned in school. Like I did not know mm, yeah. anything about this. It was so fascinating and sad and but the writing is beautiful and there's the perfect amount of words. Like I said, I just I absolutely loved it. Um and it again it's called Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. I don't have a very good transition for that. <laughs> All right. But I can go back to your cats being afraid of nature. <laughs> <laughs> My next pick is about how we all need more nature. It's called The Nature Fix by Florence Williams. Probably the most Shinsky wheelhouse book of the year, at least so far. Uh, she is in the kind of Mary Roach light school of immersive 
journalism-y nonfiction. Uh, and this book is basically about how people have the like the sense, the feeling that being out in nature makes us feel better. It makes us healthier. And like the poets and the philosophers have known this for centuries. They, yeah, uh, we have like, I, I am reading my way through Mary Oliver a few poems a day right now, as I've mentioned, and she certainly had it figured out. Famous philosophers did their best thinking and all of their teaching while taking walks. Kant was known for taking uh, a walk around the block every, I think, every morning to clear his head. Like this is a known thing, especially among uh, creatives and academics, that being outside is good for our brains. Uh, but we don't really know why. Uh, it's one of those things that like kind of knowledge felt is knowledge understood. And so we just believe it because we can feel it, that being outside makes us feel better. But science is starting to catch up. And so that's what the book is about. Um, there are basically, according to Florence Williams, two schools of thought about this. Um, one is it's evolutionary, you know, that humans evolved living mostly outdoors. And so we need to spend time being active and being outdoors because we have created these societies where we're mostly sedentary and we're mostly indoors. And that's just not the thing that our bodies evolved to do. So we feel better when we do the thing that our bodies evolved to do, which is go outside. Um, and there's kind of another school of thought that it's it's like neurological magic um, that like seeing green things makes our brains happy. Um, I think I mentioned on a previous show that there's uh, research showing that the fractal patterns in Jackson Pollock's paintings that make our brains light up in a certain way, like that's why it's pleasurable to look at Jackson Pollock paintings, um, are also the same dimensions of fractal patterns that are found uh, out in the forest between like large parts of trees and smaller branches, and that our brains can get similar effects from looking at a Pollock as from sitting and looking at a looking at a bunch of trees blow in the wind. Um, it's really amazing uh, what nature does to our brains and even things like what stopping to sniff a handful of dirt can do uh, for the chemicals rushing around in your brain and how those affect your body. So Florence Williams talks to scientists sort of on both sides of those research camps. She goes into their labs. She also goes out into nature. She finds herself on some sort of uh, outward bound kinds of trips, uh, researchers who are taking groups of volunteers out into like the desert to do a thing. Um, and some of them are a control group who don't get as much nature and some of them go and do other things in nature. And then they compare like hormone levels and self-reported measures of different feelings. It's really fascinating uh, if you like psychology and self-help uh, and are interested in sort of exercise and nature and Especially right now, self-care, that uh, she makes a very good and compelling science-based argument uh, for these things. And ultimately, the conclusion is that like it will be fascinating when we understand why we need to be outside um, and like why green things make us happier than looking at like gray mountains. Uh, it will be great to know that because then we can make a bunch of other interesting choices about how we take care of ourselves and what we do. But it almost doesn't really matter what the why is now that we have the science that shows we need to be outside more. Uh, and the very basic conclusion that she reaches after talking to a bunch of these scientists is that we, we need to be outside doing something a minimum of five hours per month. So that's like once a week you go to the park uh, and walk a trail where it's mostly in trees and you're not looking at cars, that kind of thing. Um, so there's some really like there's good big picture stuff, but there are also some really good practical uh, recommendations, actionable items that you can take into your life immediately, uh, that like being in green space matters, that having quiet matters, that turning off your cell phone uh, and not having that distraction of technology when you're just out like in the woods makes a difference and matters. And I think sometimes we just need that permission to 
to be able to do these things. So she's like, here is a book full of science-based permission. Here are your reasons uh, that you need your partner to like turn off their phone when you're walking the dog, that kind of thing. Uh, I found it just really interesting. I like her voice a lot. It's um, well-informed and thoughtful and not judgy uh, and just a a very good read, perfect for my wheelhouse. Uh, So that's The Nature Fix by Florence Williams. I would just like to add that her last book, Breasts, is a Mm -hmm. book that everyone should read. Yes. God, we love that book. It's so good. Yeah. It, it's it's all kinds of science around breasts, and but everyone should read it. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Do you want to tell us about our next sponsor? I guess so. Um, I, our next I was sponsor. thinking about this the other day. I was like, what if one of us said, no, nah. no, I don't want to. <laughs> I guess we'd have to give the money back. <laughs> oh, that's bad. <laughs> Uh, Please continue. Yeah. Our next sponsor this week is A Tragic Kind of Wonderful by Eric Lindstrom. Uh, This is a novel about Mel Hannigan, who has bipolar disorder, which makes her life feel unpredictable. Her latest struggle is balancing her growing feelings in a new relationship with her instinct to conceal her diagnosis and keep people at arm's length. Uh, But a former friend confronts Mel with the truth about the way their relationship ended, and there are some deeply buried secrets that threaten to upend her equilibrium. So Mel is facing the reality of sort of the walls of her compartmentalized world crumbling. She is afraid that no one's going to accept her if they discover what she's been hiding. Uh, But would her friends really abandon her? Would they really abandon her if they learn the truth? More importantly, can she risk everything to find out? Uh, So that is A Tragic Kind of Wonderful by Eric Lindstrom. It is available wherever books are sold and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Fantastic. What's up next for you, Miss Liberty? My, we have talked a lot today already. I just we caught have. lots of words. I'll try and speed this up a little. Um, how about that? How about that woman that thought that we just talked really fast, but she had her her podcast thing <laughs> player on what's the one point five one point five? Yeah. <laughs> Like, look. we do talk fast. I cannot imagine putting this show into your ears at 1.5x. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try it sometime. Anyway, my next book is called The Lonely Hearts Hotel by Heather O'Neill. Uh, it's one of Riverhead's fabulous books. I think they had sep- a separation today, too. Mm-hmm. They've got so many good... So Can I just say so many good books out today? Like, I think today is the best new release day yet, ever. Yes, like, it's, I agree. It's incredible. Um, so, this is about two orphans named Rose and Pierrot. They live in an orphanage in Montreal. Um, they are like the two bright spots in the orphanage. The nuns that run it are very cruel. The children have to do chores all the time. They're not allowed to have any fun. They're always punished and beaten, and it's just terrible. Um, but Pierrot is a piano genius, they discover. He can just pick up a tune and play it. Like, just like that, without any practice. Um, and Rose, she likes to dance and act, and she does gymnastics. She stands on her head. And they start putting on little performances for the children at the orphanage. Um, and the nuns decide that they need to make some money off this, so they start sending them out into the world, and they go around and they perform for families in their living rooms and put on things in theaters, and they become very, very close. They fall in love. And they decide that they want to start their own theater someday. Like, when they grow up, they're going to start a theater. But sadly, when they're, like, 15 and 16, they are separated. Uh, Piro is adopted by a man who wants him to play the piano for him because he's very old and sad and lonely, um, and it makes him happy. And Rose is hired to be a governess for two children, except she's just as wild as the kids, so that doesn't really work out well for anyone. Um, But eventually, they find their way back to one another. That's all I'm going to say about 
you know, about the story. I don't want to spoil anything. But you know those illustrations where if you look at... It's like an illustration of a face, and if you look at it one way, it's happy. But if you turn it upside mm-hmm. down, it's sad. That's kind of like what this book is. It's a lot of beautiful, gorgeous, funny things. But there is a lot of sadness and terrible things in this book. Um, like, trigger warning, there are some blunt descriptions of sexual abuse. Um, so just be be ready for that. I mean, starting, like, in the first paragraph of the book. Um, but this is just a beautiful love story between Rose and Perot. It's it's so magnificent, and the book is is magical, and and her the story is also charming. I mean, it's not just sad. It's charming and sexy and raunchy and enchanting. I absolutely loved it. Um, again, it's called The Lonely Hearts Hotel by Heather O'Neill. It's tough when you read those books that you really love, but that are so hard sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to like know what you're getting into. Yeah. And that's like, we've gotten a few emails and like, occasionally people get mad on iTunes and I don't care about that. Um, but we've gotten a few emails or I have asking why we do trigger warnings. And so maybe it's good to just say that it's because we believe in writing and reading books that face difficult things about life, but that people who have traumas that are intimately connected to those things shouldn't be surprised by them in a book. You at least should have some warning and some decision, some time to make a decision about whether you want to encounter that content, not to have it sprung on you. Um, So that is why we do that. And we'll continue to do that on this show. Uh, What's next? I don't, yeah, what's next for me is The Woman Next Bo- next Door by Yawande Amatoso. Um, talking about a title that sounds like it's going to be a thriller, but is absolutely not, um, and in the best possible way. This is a novel about uh, two older women. They're old. They're in their 80s, uh, named Hortensia James and Marion Agostino, who live their neighbors in a fancy Cape Town neighborhood. They've been neighbors for decades, and they super hate each other. They are, uh, I think it's fair to call them nemeses. Uh, Marion is a... They're both rich. Marion is a like very uptight, old, rich white lady uh, who does things like run the local neighborhood committee meetings where like the whole purpose of a committee is just to have a committee to be upset about something, like just to have a meeting to go to. Uh, Hortensia hates her <laughs> and delights in sort of poking at her. Uh, Hortensia is a black woman. She's Barbadian and she and her husband have lived in Cape Town now for decades as well, but she is like the only black person in the entire neighborhood. And of course, Cape Town, South Africa has a, quite a complicated uh, racial history. So Hortensia pokes at Marion about Marion's implicit and sometimes overt racism and Marion resists acknowledging it. Uh, and they're uh, initially, you know, just sort of facing off about stuff in the neighborhood. Like if you've ever been a, the, a member of a homeowners association, you know, the kinds of things that these people are uh, bickering about. Uh, but Hortensia and Marion find themselves through a series of unfortunate events into forced closeness. Uh, they are I don't want to spoil how this occurs, so I'm not going to say anything else uh, about how they end up spending a whole lot of time together, but it changes their friendship. Well, they develop a friendship from having really been uh, enemies, uh, and it changes their outlooks on life and on the ways that they understand each other and the society that they live in. And it's also really funny. This is like a... It's like a very cranky, smart, like a woke Golden Girls situation. 
Um, and I just really loved it. I had no idea what the book was going to be about, just that I had heard good things about it. And I took it on my trip last week and I was like, this is hilarious. Like the voice, um, especially we sort of get both of their perspectives, but the voice that you're with when Hortensia is thinking about like the next barb she's going to throw at Marion. And then the voice that we get for Marion thinking about like the impression that she gives off and what will the other neighbors think are they're just both so well done that you can picture these women uh and use like we sort of all know these women in real life too that end up being these you know, sort of stuffy bitter old ladies uh but who you know have good things at the core of them it's really funny it's very poignant also because it does examine issues of race and cape town's history with apartheid uh and sort of gets at what happens when you get over your stereotypes because you start actually spending time with real people uh, that contradict them. It's it's great. I really, really loved it. Uh, Yuande Omotoso is a well-recognized writer, uh, but this is her uh, American debut, and it's a paperback original from Picador. You should definitely pick it up. It's a total delight. I second that. Yay! My right, last round! Last round! My last book is Complete Book Candy. So delightful. It's called The Possessions by Sarah Flannery Murphy. It is her first novel. It's a fantastic debut. It's a thriller. It's a love story. It's a ghost story. It's a sci-fi novel. It's all kinds of things. It takes place in the not-too-distant future in an unnamed city. Um, in this slummy part of town sits the Elysian Society. The Elysian the, I can't talk. The Elysian Society provides a service, and that service is communing with the dead. Like you do. Um, you go to the society, and the people that work there are called bodies. And the body, you give the body um, a personal effect of the person that you want to speak with. And they will take a pill, and suddenly they'll be channeling that person, and you have a conversation with them. These bodies, the people who channel the dead, they have no memory of what they said or what happens and takes place while they're possessed. Um oh. It, which is super, like, it's so suspenseful because the author does a great job, like, dragging out, like, you don't get to hear right away, like, what the person is saying. So you have to, like, find out, like, what are they learning? You know, it's really great. Um, but Edie is the best of the bodies at the Elysian Society. She has been there for five years, which is an unusually long time. People usually burn out very quickly. It's very stressful. Um, but she's been there. She's their star employee. Um, and she meets Paul. Paul is a young widower who recently lost his beautiful wife um, in an accidental drowning. And he gives Edie her lipstick and she channels Paul's wife and, you know, has no memory of what they discuss. But in the interim, like when she greets him and says goodbye, she starts to fall for Paul and ends up breaking some of the rules of the society for him. Um, but as they continue to meet, memories not her own are starting to surface and it looks like Paul's wife's death may not have been an accident after all. Um, it's about, you know, trying to find out who you are and trying to find out who someone else is. Um, you know, can she find the truth and extract herself from harm's way before it is too late? You know, like, what you'll do for love. It's just really fun and creepy and, you know, fantastic. Again, it's called The Possessions by Sarah Flannery Murphy. All right. I have a twofer for my last round here. One is just a, uh, 
here is a book that I think our listeners will like to know exists that I was hoping to have read for this week, but didn't quite get to. It's called The Book Thieves, The Nazi Looting of Europe's Libraries and the Race to Return a Literary Inheritance. It's by Anders Rydell. Uh, if you were into the Monuments Men, this is probably going to be up your alley. Uh, we you know, think about Nazi aggression toward literature and the arts. We think about book burnings. Um, but as the world condemned the Nazis for book burnings, the Nazis were busy laying the groundwork um, to loot books from Jewish institutions um, and from you know other public and private libraries. Um, but there were people working to recover those and to pre- prevent it and to protect it. And this is a book about that. Um, I'm going to read it, even though I'm going to be late. But I wanted to make sure to mention that that is out this week, and I'm hearing great things about it. Also feels politically relevant. Uh, and then on a more personal and smaller book note, uh, 300 Arguments by Sarah Manguso is out this week. It's a slim little book. It's like, how many pages is it? I'm holding it. It's like 90 pages that has 300 aphorisms basically in it that they seem to stand on their own. Like I randomly opened uh, to page 31 and she says, uh, when someone insults you, it will infuriate him if you pretend to misunderstand the insult as a compliment. And then the next one is, interesting people aren't interested in appearing interesting. Uh, And these seem to be like all little pieces of wisdom that all stand on their own. But as you read all 300 of them, they are connected. And rather than 300 separate arguments, they sort of present a larger one argument about sort of how we live in the world. Uh, I really like Sarah Manguso's writing. And uh, this is a tiny little book. I think it would make a lovely gift for, uh, as you start thinking in another couple months, like a lovely gift for a very thoughtful graduate uh, would be great. But I've sort of been, I, I read through it the first time and then I've just been sort of like picking up and dipping back in and out because 300 little wise things, who doesn't need more of those in our life? Uh, so that's 300 Arguments by Sarah Manguso. And it's also out this week. Fantastic. Okay. So those are new releases. What are you going to read now? Um, I'm really sorry. Uh, This book is not out in the U.S. It doesn't have a U.S. release date. My advice to you is to make friends with people in other countries and then ask them to send you books. It is called Rattle by Fiona Cummins. Uh, I think I read about this in our Book Riot mystery newsletter. She mentioned Mm. that she had heard about it, and I was like, oh, I want that. So I asked my friend to send it to me. And it says it's a psychopath more frightening than Hannibal Lecter. Oh. Yes. Uh, on the surface, he's just like anyone else, but in the other life, he is the caretaker of his family's macabre museum, and he is looking to add to his collection. So, that sounds right up your alley. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to read Breathless by Beverly Jenkins. It is the second in an Old West series. I read the first one, Forbidden, and talked about it on the show last year. Um, I really loved it. These are historical historical romances with Black main characters, which you don't get much of in historical romance or in Westerns in particular. And uh, I just, I really loved it. Beverly Jenkins falls, at least this series falls on sort of like the sweeter, less steamy side of romance. It's a very nice candy read, but she's just like, like it's it, it's not fluff. Uh, they're very substantial for for being romances, and I really love her. So I'm excited to read the second one in the series. She's so great. She is so great, and just like a, a total class act. She's yes. wonderful. Yeah, I'm all, all out right. of words. We said a lot of words today. 
we did it. We had a lot of words, but we've said them now. (laughs) So thank you to our sponsors. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to get your free 30-day trial with any of the bras in the 24-7 collection. As uh, we were saying, it does make a great gift as well. Although you might have to be kind of sneaky to like measure someone for a surprise (laughs) bra. So don't be creepy when you do that. Also, thank you to A Tragic Kind of Wonderful by Eric Lindstrom. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. If you have something for us, you can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y, though I'm uh, spending more and more time away from Twitter. So if you have something, you might want to email that directly. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute to rate or review the show on iTunes, we would certainly appreciate that and also it helps uh, other people who are surfing around on iTunes looking for a bookish show to find their way to us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today and oh my goodness there are so many we just don't have the time but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. So that's it. While we go accumulate some more words to say next week. (laughs) In the meantime... Happy Happy reading. reading!